0: Hello, welcome to Square in the Circle. On this episode, Ms. Lori Mongol joins me as we discuss GFIM OE and the Army's transition from industrial area systems to the information. Ms. Mongol currently serves as the Headquarters Department of the Army G 357 Division Chief for the Strategic Operations Enterprise Division, which is leading the GFIM transformation effort. Lori has over 30 years of experience supporting the Army and at the joint through force management and readiness efforts. The views, thoughts, and opinions expressed in this program of my own and of my guests. They do not reflect the positions of the U.S. government, the Department of Defense, the U.S. Army, and any other organizations. The contents for education and information purposes only. All right, man. Well, again, you know, I, I appreciate your time. I, I appreciate you coming on to the podcast. Um, I'll defer to you for any opening comments. If there's anything uh, you want to shed light on, man.
1: Thank you. No, it's good to be here. I'm glad that we could like figure out the timing and and we were able to jump on. We've got lots of things happening inside of the Army G3. So it's exciting to talk to people about what's going on um, specifically with Global Force Information Management. And we have a couple other initiatives in our office as well as the Army starts to look at digital and data transformation and and ways to get out of the industrial age and, and into the information age and the cognitive era. So it's gonna be excited to talk about that.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. And I am excited to dig into uh, into into GFIM um, and, and dive into it and get a little bit more. So I think the first question we'll start off with is, is what is GFIM? What is the problem that it's trying to solve and, and kind of talk me through the, the genesis of, of it?
1: Okay, so first, as with anything in the Army, we, it's an acronym that stands for something else. So it stands for Global Force Information Management. Um, and, and essentially what it is, is there are a multitude of systems that are disparate legacy. Uh, they were designed in the 80s and the 90s at the height of the war to help uh, people within the Army G3, uh, Battalion G3s, Company G3s across the Army focus on things like force structure, designing the force, readiness, and activities associated with mobilizing and deploying forces. Um, The issue is most of these systems don't effectively communicate with each other. Uh, None of them were really brought up in the acquisition community, so they don't have the appropriate paperwork, like data dictionaries. Um, They weren't palmed for inside of the program. Uh, They were year of execution, OCO funding, so additional dollars we'd get for Congress just to keep things afloat. Um, And over the last 20 to 30 years, they haven't been modernized or enhanced as the operational environment has changed. And so the Secretary of the Army did a rationalization across defense business systems and said, look, we got a lot of old stuff out there in the Army. About 627 defense business systems. They don't really talk to each other. There's no flow of data from one to the other. There's no integrated workflows, and and there's still a lot of operational activities that are sort of happening swivel chair activities. Um, so she requested that the office Office of Business Transformation, now known as the Office of Enterprise Management do a rationalization on all of the legacy systems across the Army and determine which of those should go away and how do we get to enduring enterprise capabilities um, to replace those old systems. So that's sort of what we did here inside of the training and readiness domain of the business mission area was we looked at all of the applications that have anything to do with force structure, readiness, strategy, mobilization and deployment and uh, we identified those systems. That's how we came up with these 15 legacy systems, 26 subsystems uh, those systems are comprised of. And we marked them for sunset, which means termination, uh, turning all of those systems off and moving to an objective capability, which is known as GFEM, um, that Global Force Information Management. And, and, and those systems, support an end-to-end business process known as deploy to redeploy and retrograde a material, And it's the Army's core core end-to-end business process, um, focusing on developing strategy, understanding the force that we need in the future based on that strategy, designing that force, aligning that force to combatant commanders, um, doing uh, training and rearm force generation off of that force. Uh, preparing that force for mobilization and deployment, and then actually mobilizing, deploying, and employing that force. And there's a whole bunch of operational activities that the force managers, strategists, mo- uh, uh, mobilization officers uh, do across the Army and prep for that. And so that's... That's sort of how this thing grew.
0: Yeah, I guess we So there was a, a recent article in, I think it was the D- Defense News, if I have it right. Um, and in the title, it, it made me chuckle, and not like not, not picking on it, but it's like absolutely one hundred percent true. No more sticky notes, and it's just, yeah, just yeah, it caught caught me because that is essentially <laughs> a problem that I have among many others. Uh, Is the amount of sticky notes, the amount of systems that are out there that, you know, as a force manager, I have to use uh, that my peers in the cubicle farm, you know, around me that they have to use and the crosstalk that we have to have with one another um, trying to solve problems, whether it's on uh, JSERM, Fred, you know, in in global force management, or it's a readiness and getting on uh, DERSS, A, EMDS or enforced structure in, in FMS web. All these systems that are out there, um, you got FMS web and not to, not to pick on it, but it looks like 1990 style programming, you know, like, you know, the times when I had AOL dial yeah. up, it's kind of like what I'm looking at here. Um, yeah. And it just, it, it, it made me chuckle to, to see that title and, and I was, you know, reading into it and, you know, there was a couple things that caught my, my attention and you know, a quote in here. You know, the Army alone is using at least 43 separate and largely incompatible systems to track different types of readiness data. Yep, abs- absolutely true. And swivel chair integration, yep. because the least bad solution is often to read a number off one screen linked to one system, and then turn your chair and manually type the number into another computer linked to another incompatible system. And I'm like, yes. Yes this is 100% the problem of today.
1: Yeah, I guess my <laughs> Yeah,
0: yeah, <laughs> yeah absolutely. Um, and, and so, yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited for, for, for GFEM. When do you think it's gonna be FOC come, come officially online? And- Yeah, so,
1: um- So the Army is also making this huge move to move out of um, our traditional acquisition delivery of defense business systems. So in the past, you'd write a requirement, you'd toss it over the fence to the acquisition community. You would wait seven to 10 years uh, for something to be delivered, and it may or may not support the functional community's needs. So the Army has got this um, pathway called the Software Acquisition Pathway using the safe agile methodology for delivery. So you can rapidly deploy software releases, ready for production um, in an effort to be able to get capabilities out quicker and then in return, turn off the old stuff quicker. So GFM is one of the, of the first major defense business systems that's sort of going through that pathway Um, working through with uh, really tight functional and technical elaboration sessions. Um, And because it's so massive, spanning across such a a vast array of stakeholders doing things that we mentioned, from strategy to readiness and for structure, mobilization deployment, because it's doing all those different type of things where everybody historically has looked at them through their own lenses, like their own silos of excellence. Uh, we needed to spend a little bit of time doing that business process re-engineering first, um, which is kind of where we focused uh, the majority of our time, uh, looking at that end-to-end business process. Are we doing the things that we should do to support the operational fight of now, and as we move forward to uh, multi-domain operations? Um, and we realized that 55% of that end-to-end business process was still that sticky note, swivel chair, hey you, blue packet folders, PowerPoint, Excel, um, and people just redoing work or relying upon somebody uh, to cobble together something just to get courses of action for senior leaders to make decisions from. So. After we got all that done, and and I know this is a long answer to your question, but it was important for me to set the stage that after we got all that business process re-engineering done, we weren't just gonna chase a a shiny object and just build a capability that inherited all of the same problems that we have in today's legacy systems. We really wanted to understand those business processes, um, any friction points, um, any unnecessary redundancy and then any capability gaps that might exist. And as a result of that, we came up with a a slew of requirements that were material in nature. And there's lots of other requirements that we're tracking as well, like how will we need to change our structure, our organization, what training will we need, um, what policies maybe need to be eliminated or updated combined um, as we move toward GFEM. But those material solutions is what we started working with industry partners to rapidly deploy um, into a testing environment so that we could be ready to put in production. Um, We did that for about 12 to 18 months, which still seems like a long time, Um, but given it was taken eight to 10 years previously, this is pretty rapid for the Army. And we expect that that first part of that end-to-end business process Focus on the designing of the future force, um, which replaces systems like FMS, FMS Web, SAMIS, the Army Org Server, Force Registration within Dirse, and some of the modules within RCAST that the Army Reserve and the Army National Guard use uh, will be ready to be deployed into production at the end of 24. And then the second part of GFEM is focusing on providing the current force so these are those activities associated with um, supporting combatant commanders or army service requirements making sure that we're task organizing our force structure to respond to mobilization and deployment and operational missions around the world Uh, that part of gfem uh, will be the following year
0: so the legacy systems when do we anticipate those to sunset
1: So that we build in a a little rule of a bond production. Uh, we would sunset one year approximately one year past that date. So the, those first systems, those force management systems have a sunset date of FY 25 on them, um, which would allow us the opportunity to go into what we call a brownout and a blackout period so that we could spiral in folks test them on the new capability, run through an actual force management process like command plan, as an example, in the new system, while at the same time, a portion of the force are going through the old systems, um, training, rapidly fixing anything that might come up in production um, under those rapid software releases, and then eventually make a decision to go into brownout and blackout of the legacy. So we anticipate that we won't keep them alive for an additional year, but we built in a buffer of a year just in case. Okay.
0: Is What's the training package look like? So, uh, you know, FMS web, uh, you know, company commander, PL, like I I knew enough, you know, to pull my MTO, TDA, stuff like that. Um, But then I get to how the army runs course. And that's where I get, you know, more in depth, you know, how to use FMS web. So I'm just curious, like, what does the training package look like for this new system?
1: Yeah, so we have two different um, two different flavors of training. So the first will be things like your new equipment training that you go through when you get a new piece of equipment. We'll do the same thing with the defense business system. We'll have how-to manuals. Um, and given the fact that we wanted to move out of the industrial age and sort of flavor training after things that are in the um, cognitive era, like... Um, overlay of training manuals. I mean, we're we're dealing with folks now that go to the store, buy a new phone, and within a few minutes they want to be able to use it, not read a 120-page manual. Um, so we don't want to publish a 120-page manual here for you to read through to try to figure out how do you do what it is that you need to do. So uh, there are training um, applications that will be overlaid um, on top of GFM that you can click on to go more in-depth if the how-tos and the tutorials don't help you. Um, they'll actually be how-to manuals and PowerPoints for those folks that like to print those out and use them. Um, they'll actually be uh, industry partners, functional SMEs, working with the community that we're spiraling the application out to, um, going around and doing um, boots on the ground training. Uh, we'll do road trips um, in order to be able to do that and then we'll have um uh, on the other side of training we are implementing um the activities inside of different programs of instruction around army schools so at the army force management school we're currently updating the program of instruction so that folks that come through either the four-week course or the fa50 course uh, will be able to get an in-depth um, understanding of GFEM, as well as the end-to-end business process and the operational activities that GFEM is intended to help deliver. Um, and then with our new flare on data, there'd be like a deeper dive into data, a little bit of literacy um, of the data, making sure that those folks that are going through those specialized schools understand what data is being transacted as authoritative within GFM, how you use it, what do you use it for, um, and help shaping your, your, you know, your courses of actions for senior leader decision making. Um, we'll be updating regulations and policies as well to be able to accommodate for the changes uh, with either the way we do force management or the way we mobilize and deploy um, and the way that emerging and disruptive technologies can help us be able to do that better. Um, And that's all part of that process through agile. It's not, here's your requirements and you must build me the same capability that I have currently in legacy. It's here's the requirements. And now through this type of conversation with functional SMEs out in the field our office, as a capability management office, the program office at PEO EIS, and then the vendor side by side, rapidly delivering testing, tweaking, and putting the the capability back out there. So it's on hand training through user verification testing and user acceptance testing as well. So there's a myriad of testing events and training events that um we're really trying to leverage as lessons learned from, from previous uh, deployments of defense business systems. Over.
0: Yeah, yeah, okay, yes ma'am. So for like Ipse, the recent launch of Ipse, and I even remember, you know, a few years back, even G-Army and that launch, and I know there was some friction there. Has there been any lessons that you've uh, identified, learned from there that you're gonna you know, carry over that when we launched GFIM, you know, this, you know, this this will not happen or you know we'll try to mitigate this this issue because of because of what we learned from these yeah. launches
1: yeah one of the one of the things that um that we we've been watching very closely with this the spiral out of IPSA using the army national guard uh to spiral out the application to first because of the the intricate details that you needed to get across 54 states and territories we have the same thing within gfem so what we did rather than wait until we are ready to deploy or spiral out the application to the community. We've brought all of those folks in as part of the upfront development and testing of the application. So the Army National Guard stood up a capability management office, very similar to what we have inside of the Army G3. The Army Reserve is doing the same thing. And then we have functional SMEs from various commands across the active component that are embedded um, on our team, their capability owners and, and our product owners. So they're actually designing the application themselves so that when it does get spiral out to their communities, it's already been designed, tested um, and accepted by the same people that we're gonna spiral it out to, uh, pro- uh, stakeholders from those communities.
0: Uh, what, what's been like the feedback so far?
1: Yeah, so in the beginning, um, in the beginning, there was, there was a lot of resistance in the beginning. As you know, folks get comfortable with what they have, and they, they know it's not good enough, but sometimes the devil you know is better than the devil you don't know. And, and, and then, historically, it's taken the Army so long to deliver capabilities um, that we had a lot of friction about how long is it going to take um, is it going to interrupt what I what I know to do and I know how to get this today. Um, more so, not necessarily from the, from technologies that might come in, but the change in the business processes that we sort of have fallen into because we were limited by the technologies that we currently had. Um, so we always joke in our office that we, we bend folks. We bend folks into like, hell no, we won't go. Then we bend folks into the, well, maybe, but I'm not quite convinced. So I'm sitting on the fence, but you could convince me to come your way. And then we had those folks that were out front and said, please, please give me something new because my day-to-day life sucks with the things that you've currently given me, the way we have to do business. Like we, you've got to do something better in 2023 and 2024. Um, so we focused more on those last two camps of folks at first. Um, mostly on the ones that are on the fence that we need to bring over to our side um, by showing small proofs of principles, small concepts like um, introducing things like robotics process automation that could take unstructured data and structure it for you so that it gave you back time and flipped the iceberg and made you more of an analyst and less of a data entry clerk. So little things like that to get um, the community's buy-in uh, was something that we... D- sometimes you go slow to go fast. We needed to do slow up front to get those communities on board. Um, Then it got to where there was lots of interest. Um, And we actually had to dial back how many testers we had because one community might be uh, more vocal than another community. And we wanted to make sure that we were delivering capabilities that were integrated and interoperable. I didn't want to just deliver um, an ability to program the force without understanding the force that I had to design. And I didn't wanna just deliver a force that we had to design without understanding the force that we were gonna plan and program for. We wanted those things to have a relationship, which they don't have today. Um, and we wanted to make sure that the, the first time that you were thinking about uh, what structure was needed from strategy or presidential speeches or senior leaders guidance, that when that went over to like the Futures Command to develop a strategic conceptual framework or to a CAC FDD to develop doctrine, you, we had to make sure that all of those stakeholders were the first ones that were starting to enter data inside of GFM, not some other application, not PowerPoints, not Excel, and then trying to ingest it into GFM. They're actually gonna log into GFM and do all those concepts. Uh, do all of your um, uh, change packages if you're a TDA organization. That will be done inside. Commands will log in and do that um, as opposed to sending a spreadsheet to use a FEMSA oh. that then gets uploaded and then they make their changes. This You will log in, build your own command TDA inside of GFEM. Um, you will uh, be able to see your design if you're an mto uh, from the second thought it is developed as a concept coming in as a urs under a force design update process uh, you'll be able to see those because they'll be working their way through a workflow um, and that data becomes accessible Uh, to run excursions and what if drills off of as early as to the left as possible?
0: So, uh, yeah. So myself working on the, on the TDA side of force structure a lot. Yeah. Just, you know, just Mm -hmm. getting done with, with command plan. Yeah. That would save a tremendous amount of amount of time. Now, would I be able to see, like I I submit my, my command plan submission, I send it to my command manager, Mm -hmm. to the, you know, the documenters, would I be able to see like at, you know, these gates it's, it's with, he email. or she, you know, doing and they commented on this and see it in like real time instead of this email chain and Excel spreadsheet going back and forth and not this version, but it's this version and, blah, you know, it just it becomes chaos at, at some point. Teams has helped out a little it bit, does. but I, I think the utility of this this system will help out even more so
1: yeah and that's um like most people like i mean you're a force manager so most people don't when i explain how force management works you know they're like oh my gosh that's really how we're doing it and i was like yeah the first place that there was actually even a system in this end-to-end business process was a force management system but the way that it's done today is you program at the aggregate level inside of samus and then you register the force inside of the force registration module of A. -A 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 and then a spreadsheet gets sent from organizational integrators at FM down to use of FEMSA, that then have to turn around and build out detailed for structure inside of FMS MTO and FMS TDA. And then commands can't see FMS, they see FMS web. So when you talk through it, you know, you're like, that is so absurd. Like, this is really how we do business. And it's like, yeah, yeah, it is. And so the time delays, our, our inability to be agile, the, the amount of human error that we can introduce by all of those swivel chair activities were things that we knew right away that we were gonna have to eliminate because for structured data is the first set of authoritative data that feeds everyone else in the Title X processes. So you don't know what you're gonna man, you don't know what you're gonna equip, you don't know what you're training, getting ready, resourcing, building facilities, unless we get structured data right. And if we're um, in a perfect world, we would have built GFEM first, in, in my opinion. And then we would have spiraled out an IPSA, a GCSSRME, um, a GFEBS, and then ultimately the new enterprise capability for logistics, financial management acquisition, which will be EBSC, Enterprise Business System Convergence, which is coming after GFM now. Um, so yeah, there's a, a lot of opportunities here for GFM. And then we've only been talking about like the, the actual designing of the force. For the first time ever, we're gonna be able to see within our data the force that we're designing in the future in parallel to the force that we currently have that we're deploying and mobilizing around the world, either for combatant commanders or army service requirements. We can't do that today Um, because there's so many disparate systems and all of that information is not collected inside of a system. Um, If if you're a force manager on the FA-50 side and you're uh, building your FML for a combatant commanders RFF, You're doing that in ad hoc spreadsheet, Mm -hmm. bits and pieces that you pulled down from multiple systems and piece together. Inside of GFAM, your task organization, you'll have a canvas, we call it a canvas palette, where you'll be able to take the structure that's already been designed and just move it around the way you need it across the four structured data that's already existing and authoritative. Mm -hmm. You won't have to log into disparate systems to do that. It'll be linked back to the um, the actual request for forces that feeds in from JSARM, um, And then you'll be able to obviously carry that over to your unit movement activities um, for your, for jokes and movement of Lancy air rail. So those things have never been um, connected inside of workflows and, or from a authoritative data set before. And GFM is going to, is going to be able to do that.
0: Yeah. I, my follow-on question, I, and we, I think we've been talking through it is, you know, do we think there's going to be any process changes with, with force management? I, I think it's fair to say that with the launch of, of GFIM that our, our processes will, will not, maybe not change per like completely, but they will be tweaked, you know?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: That maybe-
1: yeah, for sure. Um, when we went through that business process reengineering, uh, we mapped out and again we were focusing just on the designing of the future force because we wanted to just take a, a small chunk with a, that community um, and sort of prove to senior leaders the value of funding GFIM and, and making sure it was prioritized for for development and delivery um, so what we did was we ran through like the 12 processes that are force management conduct force management taa um, uh, the actual Automated update transaction that helps you reconcile the, the documents that are in staffing to getting them headquarters DA approved, force design update, BOIP, development of MTO, development of a, a TDA, all of those processes. And we mapped out the as is with the community, like walk me through a day in the life of what you have to do in order to be able to do any of these types of things. Um, And then we put them all on big maps around a room and I had the stakeholder that was responsible for that process stand up and walk me through it. And what we saw was they themselves were like, oh my God, why would I do that? That's dumb. Or yeah, I have to do that five times just to get to this one step. Or I had to go talk to 17 people or log into six different systems. And so when you say it out loud, you realize how absurd it is. So it helped us, one, get that cultural change and that buy-in that the processes uh, needed to be updated and modernized. And then two, it allowed us to take down those barriers to be able to build out 2B processes. Um, And the biggest thing that I think that that GFEM will be most successful with is integrating workflows that are not integrated today. So instead of having those 12 different force management processes as individual things, you'll now be connecting them from the first time that you're thinking about modeling and concepts to the time that you're building a design to the time that you're turning that into programming and detailed structure. It's connected all the way through now, um, as opposed to not being, and you have communities that maybe didn't talk before actually communicating and talking, so you were we're starting to have folks understand that if I'm responsible for something on the left side of a process, I now need to understand what happens to it when I send it over to the right side, because my output may have needed to be different. I might need to think about something different here when I pass it over here, and, and on the flip side. so those communities is not just the headquarters DA sitting in a vacuum thinking about what are the things they need at an enterprise level. It's really about bottom up, helping us understand what would be better uh, from an authoritative position or a workflow position or a capability perspective to drive your day-to-day business to help the warfighter in the warfighter mission area um, better than we can do today, which is why I didn't want the department of army, the, the, the demo FM of the world. Um, the demo TRs, the army G three offices to be the only ones involved. Um, because they're not normally the folks that are sitting on the ground, living the output of what got designed. And we wanted that feedback
0: mm-hmm. So is there any like concerns with with it, with it launching? Any any funding? Any any threats out there? Any anything? Any any concerns that you have?
1: Yeah, so I would be. I mean, I would be remiss if I if I wasn't transparent about that. Um, from a prioritization perspective, we're good. Um, GFM has been the SEC Army's number one business priority for the last couple years, um, and and you know this is Lori Mongol talking. Um, I believe that should equate to funding, right? If you're a prioritization, then funding should align with prioritization, um, but it hasn't the last couple years. There's, while we're doing everything we can to change processes associated with our ability to deploy and employ our forces, and we recognize that we want emerging and disruptive technologies to give to our stakeholders to be able to support and enable that. There are other large army enterprise processes that haven't changed. The POM process is still very bureaucratic. It's two years in advance. The acquisition process is still still slow. It's coming along, but it's still a very slow acquisition process that's aligned to a POM process that doesn't give you the agility and flexibility um, to have on-demand things designed and delivered um, it doesn't allow you to change the truth when the truth when the truth changes. Um, and that's the purpose of agile. we could we could have d- built a requirement, got in there, and then when you started these type of conversations, realize that the thought process that we had was completely flawed because we got more information from somebody else involved in the in the workflow, are we Uh, had a gap that we didn't recognize before and we discovered it in in real time, we call that, you know, discovery learning and the process for funding doesn't align to your ability to adapt that requirement. So you find yourself stuck within whatever money you received and the time that you had to deliver and you have to work within those parameters. Um, So I say all that to say it is a number one priority, however. Uh, it took a while for the acquisition office to actually stand up um, and take hold of GFEM. And we, inside of the G3, were acting as both the functional and the technical for a while. And the SEC Army wanted us to move it to acquisition oversight, wanted us to re-architect our solution to get inside of the Army's cloud. So that caused some delays, um, some additional funding that was needed. And now we're competing for for resources um, in the next POM with some euphers in 24 and 25. Oh, uh,
0: okay, yeah. Um, I
1: feel good about 24, don't feel as comfortable about 25 yet. And I feel confident that 26 through 30 uh, will be good.
0: Okay, so it, it will become a program, a record? Is...
1: It, it will be a program, of, it is a program it is record. It is a program of record, um, okay. It is, so, so some, and these are some of the big Processes that are changing. So, before you actually had to have been deployed into production before you were a program of record. Now, uh, with defense business systems, you register inside of a, a system called the Army Portfolio Management System. If you get a funding line and you have a program office, you become a program of record. So, there's an approved problem statement, we have an approved requirements document. We have a program office. We have a funding line, and we're registered as a defense business system. So it's it's categorized as a programmer record.
0: Uh, okay, yes, ma'am. Uh, just a, a quick technical question: um, Is there a, is, is GFM going to have any AI machine learning in, in embedded into the system? Uh, you know, because like one of the things come across this, you know, infamous web, you know continuously, you know, trying to get the same, you know, the data that you want and you're, 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 you know, it's not, it's not pulling exactly what, what you want all the time and you have to input it, you know, exactly what you want every, every time. So if uh, you had a system that's just learns from your, your initial uh, inputs, um, you know, that would save on, save on time.
1: Yeah, I agree. So one of the first things that we did, So with the strategy part of GFIM, none of that was done inside of a system today. It's all done. You get down the national defense strategy, you get the defense planning guidance, you get uh, senior leader guidance, you might get something from the SecDef and you have to read through that and you have to sort of pull out of that what it is that you're interested in. So the first thing we did was load all of that information, overlay robotics process automation um, fed in uh, through machine learning because it takes a while for it to, to learn what it is that you're looking for. <coughs> Excuse me. All of our keywords like Army, um, uh, different types of organizations for the Army, um, missions that might be aligned to the Army, boats, ships. I mean, it just depends on what it was that we were looking for. We fed all that in to let robotics process automation show us how out of the strategy documents within. 30 to 60 seconds, it gleaned out of all the strategy documents, what was relevant to an army strategist. And you didn't have to comb through all of that, read through it and figure it out. You had a position that you could start from. Then we overlaid another uh, natural language processing and another machine learning app, (coughs) excuse me, to be able to uh, design an army strategy document so taking the department of defense strategy documents turning it into an army strategy document and then we went to the force management side and we did that with our struck so today the organizational integrator has to program one position at a time into samus and if those aren't the positions that get selected by senior leaders they have to back everything out and they have to put everything back in for their next position snap a chalk line, get a position, build a PowerPoint, go to a senior leader, get a decision. Uh, we were able to show for through machine learning um, the various uh, positions. You can program three, four, five, seven, eight different positions um, or more as an example. And then you, when a senior leader selects what that position is, what course of action they want, you're no longer coming back and typing it in again Inside of GFIM, you're just selecting it and it becomes your new baseline. It becomes a design that you're gonna build from. Um, and that informs all the people in the workflow. And it captures through machine learning that information. And at the end of a, of a, of a uh, TAA, the struck is produced automatically from those selections that were made uh, from those courses of action from what was programmed. And then the R struct just get spit out into a Word document and all you have to do is just make the adjustments and changes to it rather than sit there, type it all in, retype it when the position changed. Wow. That... So those are those are things that we've seen demonstrated already. Um, right now for GFEM, GFM, I would say our I would say our biggest gap, the, the next big thing that we're gonna work on is we were concentrating on force design, force registration, and force accounting. Now we're going to concentrate on the integration of those activities. So once we figured out all the business rules and and the things that need to be associated with registering a force that you're going to design or accounting for the force or designing the force from a concept or a change management perspective, now we need to integrate those workflows across those three major activities um, both technically and functionally and watch the data flow across those workflows um, to validate the, the the integrity of the data and the veracity of the data as it moves to the workflow
0: yeah that's really cool I would I would be uh, you know really intrigued to see it just Push out a whole R-struck just off of off of the data, and then just have to tw- just yeah. tweak it.
1: Same with orders. They get the orders, right? So we built permanent orders for the which are built off of the registration of the force and your and your relationships like AdCon and OpCon. So you can you can hit a button and produce a permanent order once you've entered all of those data fields through those workflows. There is no need to turn around and build a word document and type all those things over again we program the computer to to know which data elements to read and turn that into a permanent order. And then as you move to mobilization and deployment, the same logic will be applied for your organizational order. And then we'll have to reconcile with IPSA for the faces to the spaces and then you'll be able to publish individual orders the same way ah
0: okay awesome yes ma'am all right uh so while we have we still have some time left ma'am i just want to transition to the to the fun questions so here Mm -hmm. is to know like what is your all-time favorite book and if not book what is your all-time favorite movie
1: okay let me see so i am okay i have two different flavors of books i like So whenever I don't want to learn, you know, and you want to turn everything off, I'm a huge Danielle Steele fan. It's total filth, doesn't mean anything. It's not real. But for that moment, I can just focus on nothing. But because I don't get a lot of opportunity to do that, I am a huge um, Jordan Murrow fan, and he is uh, the godfather of data literacy, and he has three books out. Uh, be Data Literate, Be Data Driven, and Be Data Analytical. I love him. I love all three of those books. Um, and he's just an, an absolute awesome human being that did not pay me to say this. Um, and literacy of data, I think, has been a big gap that we have in the Army. So like understanding the right story to tell and when to tell it.
0: Yeah. That's awesome. I think you just increased my reading list, but that's a, that's a good problem to have. <laughs> all right. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Next question, ma'am. So your time in HQDA and joint working staff, you know, any words of advice, of wisdom, you know, for our force managers, you know, first management community, you know, especially our, our juniors, you know, our captains or our majors.
1: Yeah. We think about this all the time. So I am a force manager, so just so you know I actually by design I am a force manager. i um started out in readiness uh, a long time ago and then I jumped over to force structure, then I went back to readiness and came back to force management um and I was not an i t person at all like if my phone did what it was supposed to do, that was awesome. Um, but the thing that the skill set that I had and and this is. Was probably important to think about when you're anywhere. Um, and, and I'm kind of playing into the SEC Army's talent management priority, is that there are pockets of folks out there that actually understand things and you just have to find them and listen to them. So one of the things that I think uh, made us so successful becoming the CMO for the Army G3 was listening listening to people. Like I did not stay in that five-sided building. Um, we traveled out. I spent three days at Force Calm letting every individual action officer walk me through a day in their life um, so that I understood the pain that they went through so that when I came back to that five-sided building, I was able to truly champion the concerns or the issues of the folks that that this capability is going to spiral out to. So I say that to say, you don't know everything, but there are lots of people out there that do and not to be afraid to reach out to subordinates or, or commands that are below your echelon. Um, Maybe folks that are in completely different staff sections, always look for that Napoleon's corporal that can help you, um, understand the blind spot that you might have. Because that for me, that was huge. And and don't be afraid to be the crazy person who gets up and is dancing a crazy dance. Don't be afraid to be that first follower, the person who jumps up and starts dancing with them. And you can Google it. It's an actual thing called the first follower. Um, And somebody gets up and is doing a crazy dance because they were told they had to. But the guy, the, the guy who gets up and has no idea why that person is dancing is the first follower. And there's a ton of value in that because that first follower gets another follower gets another follower and you started a revolution. And so that's how we get to transformation. Um, don't, don't be afraid to challenge the status quo. So I, that is the one thing that I told myself that if it just didn't set right, if it didn't feel right, I mean, there's so many ways to do it tactfully, there's so many ways to do it with senior leaders, but don't be afraid to do it. Um, I've watched people so worried about their next promotion or uh, the next, um, you know, not wanting to upset somebody or or not wanting to to look like they were muddy in the waters or ruffling feathers, but it doesn't do any good because the things that we are expecting people to live with and do, totally affect our soldiers' ability to go do the fight. So I think and that when we get into positions like this, specifically force managers, um, challenge the status quo. You understand the processes and understand where you can take risk, um, what can be eliminated. Like I've always been one of those people who thought that if you read the rule book and you understood the rules, then you know which ones you can break and still succeed. Um, so I'd say, don't be afraid to do that.
0: All right, yes, ma'am. All right, final question. What emerging or future capability technology worries you the most?
1: Um, I don't know that any really worry me. I think what worries me more is um, our culture not changing as quickly as industry and the emerging threats like China and Russia. Um, and I've always felt that China and Russia Korea these are perfect examples of where they start investing in their youth at a very early age based upon their government's um, priorities and initiatives and they mold them and mold them and grow them and mold them around those priorities um, and and that puts them as a to a strategic advantage when it comes to things like emerging technology because in the stem world, uh, they invest into their youth a lot more than, than we do in the United States. So I think it's not necessarily the actual technology itself. It's our culture's ability to keep up with those technologies, anticipate what those emerging technologies can do for us and leverage that. That's probably what worries me more.
0: Okay. Awesome. Yeah. Thank you, ma'am. I appreciate it. Um, any final comments? You
1: no, know, I. So I totally appreciate you doing this. I think this is kind of cool. That there's lots, of, you know, you are a force manager. You you're not out here in industry coming back and and one to talk to people that are doing this inside the government. Like you are inside of the government, you're doing it today, um, and you're trying to get the message out there. Um, and I appreciate that because we have an a, we built a, a strategic communications team for this very reason so that we could get our word out there. Um, I didn't even have a LinkedIn before I took this job because. I didn't need a LinkedIn because I worked for the government. So I didn't even know that, that people were out there in another whole world. Um, and when I started talking to industry, I realized how powerful that was. And there's another whole community, um, that we needed to reach. And so thank you. Thank you for the opportunity to, to talk about GFIM and we would love the opportunity to come back again as GFIM progresses. And we will also make a play right now to say that if there's anybody out there listening that wants to participate in GFEM, wants to test it, wants to help develop it, uh, please contact our office and we'll hook you up.
0: All right. Awesome. Thank you, ma'am. really appreciate it.
1: You're welcome.
0: Thanks for listening to the podcast. Our next episode will explore strategy and the ends, ways, means framework.